Hi, this is Aaron Asrod, and welcome to the 143rd episode of the Truth Island podcast. Resentment is a very strange emotion. On one hand, the more resentment, bitterness, or ill will that we hold for people, the more we ourselves remain stuck in place. The resentment we hold for someone can at times become very consuming, haunting our every thought, social interaction, and can even manifest into mild forms of passive aggressiveness. Each of us at one time or another secretly wishes that they could become a robot that could simply turn off their emotions and simply accept people for who they are, despite whatever shortcomings they might have. The Bible tells us in Leviticus, if your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a traveler, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. The passage suggests that with a proper reverence for God, men should act kindly to one another without necessarily keeping score. And yet, anyone who has ever spent too much time playing the role of Mr. Nice Guy knows that people are quick to take advantage. For example, resentment can help one keep track of those who over the years have been loyal from those who have broken trust multiple times over. Those who are also too quick to forgive soon learn that they are just as quickly mistreated again once people realize that no matter how badly they act towards you, they will quickly be allowed back into your life unconditionally. Joining me to help manage my resentment, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, I hope if I say something wrong, you don't resent me for it. I already resent you, Aaron. <laughs> Is that weighing your soul down? No, with all, with all, the, all the passions of my, my soul. How you doing, man? Good, good. Um, no, I think it, it's very hard. It's, I mean, resentment is, is a very difficult thing to deal with. There are those who think that they're, they're justified in their resentments. And in fact, they enjoy the resentments because the resentments is, you know, um, it's, I mean, it's something to feel and some, it, they think it informs them about the situation, about how wrong they, how, you know, how wrong they've been treated. And so the more, the more pain, the more anger, the more resentment they have, the more justified they feel. But, and there's another group of people who don't want, they don't want to feel the resentment at all, but can't help but feel it. But what these two people have in common is that their resentment still is felt in the sense of it's the weight of the resentment is felt and nobody likes that weight. It's very painful. It's very heavy. Um, and it is, you find that it's more destructive to you than it is to the person, you know, to the person you resent. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely find myself in the second category that you talked about, whereas I don't want to feel the resentment. Like, I, I want to believe that I, I can achieve this, like, superior status of, like, you know, oh, someone slaps me across the face and I just turn the other cheek kind of mentality. Like I, but I realize that a lot of that philosophy is actually grounded in, in some kind of really highly egocentric behavior, right? That you are above emotions, that you are above being resentful, above being upset, you know? So like, it, you know, like, like I was telling you before we began this podcast, I'm really at odds here because on one hand, I, I do read the Bible, I read philosophy, and I know, I know the destructive elements of resentment. I know, I know that it really can rot the soul at the core because 
you know, it, it, it manifests, like, especially, especially when you don't confront somebody with their uh, resentment, it just kind of turns into like talking behind their back. It turns into hearsay. It talks about like, just thoughts. Like, it's almost as if you start hating somebody and you don't even know why that is at some point, right? You, you've already forgotten the original transgression and in, in, in why you don't like this person, but that the, the residue almost still lingers within your mind and kind of makes your mind extremely toxic. Again, resentment, if, if swallowed completely, can be damaging. I just don't know if it's possible to like to transcend it. Well, resentment is basically when, when we're talking about resentments, we're talking about to have a, a certain kind of negative, neg- negative emotion towards uh, a person. And it's usually a very disgusting or bitter. Um, so usually resentment is often, you know, put together with bitter, so bitterness and resentment or so resentment. Um, so you have this, you have this very bitter, unha- unhappy, unkind emotion that really, it's almost a very, you know, stingy and spiteful feeling towards people or persons. Now this could be some because of something they've done, simply because you're just a very, very bitter and um, resentful person. But now the question of whether one can overcome resentments is a very difficult one because I, the, I, I think the answer is yes. But I think the um, just because the answer is yes doesn't mean the answer is simple. <laughs> uh, no, should I say easy? It is simple. It's just not easy. It's interesting that human beings, when we are, when we are hurt, when we are shoved, pushed, and um, back into a corner, what we want to do, or what we do, actually almost instinctively, is to fight back and scratch, scratch in one way or the other. And resentment is, is kind of our way of fighting back. It's our way of defending ourselves and um, crying, against, crying out against the injustice that's been done to us, at least even if it's just a perceived injustice. Because we're, today our world is very resentments happy. You know, it's like the more, the, more, the more people you resent, the more social justice warrior you are. And the funny thing about justice is that justice ought to bear no resentments whatsoever. Because in bearing resentments, justice has been perverted. You're no longer making a judgment out. You're not making a judgment because something is right or wrong. You're making a judgment because you feel wronged. And because you feel wronged, you might, it's possible that you will be willing to dish out twice as much punishment than it's deserved because you've taken, you've taken this, you've taken the action to be a, a personal offense. I, I, yeah, I, I, 100, I, I hear you on that. And that, that makes a lot of sense. But to kind of provide a bit of a counterpoint, let, let's just assume for a second, like one of, you know, one of the phrases that comes up a lot, two kids are getting in a fight or something, the, you know, the father or the mother or the teacher might say, take the high ground, take the high ground, be above it, ignore it. And like, it seems like that's a pure option, right? Because if someone attacks you, and then you attack them back, that's war, right? That's that's how that's precisely how wars begin. Is that someone shows hostility to you, and then you equal that hostility or double that hostility, and and now now you're entrenched or you're ensconced in something beyond your, uh, you know, beyond your control. And if you had just ignored it, you would never have been, in, you know, ensconced in that war to begin with. However, sometimes like we find ourselves dealing with. Uh, work situations, family situations, situations we can't just remove ourselves from. I don't have a lot of resentment for friends, and I'll tell you why. Because 
as soon as you start resenting a friend, you can cut them loose. You know, you don't owe any obligation to that friend. It's like, once that friend has, you know, transgressed you to a point where it's like, hey, I, this person's toxic. I really don't want them in my life anymore. You can kind of let them go. Where it gets really, really dangerous is when you have resentment, let's say in the workplace and you're kind of stuck at that job for the, the foreseeable future or the next six months or the next year, if you just quietly take it, right? How do you prevent it from eating you from the inside? Maybe you won't be ensconced in a war with someone else at work, but now you're seeing this person every single day. You're, you're dealing with this person who's taking advantage of you, speaking to you in a very disrespectful manner. How do you continue interacting with these people and not allow it to rot your soul every single day or allow you to eat you up inside? I, I've never, you know, I, like I've tried that road. I've tried um, playing the high ground road. And like I said, people found me to be, uh, you know, one boss said, oh, you know, you're, you know, you're fairly agreeable or whatever but I hated myself, you know? So like on the outside, it looked like this guy was super cool, super monk and super like in control of it. But inside I was like, I'm really starting to hate these people. And I think that's a very dangerous place to be mentally where you're sucking it all in. And then you're internally, like internally you're becoming an inferno. Yeah, no, it's, it's very, it's very, it's a very, um, it's a very dangerous place to be. It's a very difficult place to be. And I, I understand what you're talking about. Um, that place where you begin to um, despise the people. Eventually, the resentment becomes hatred, pure, unbridled hatred. Um, that's just a natural progression of the, of the thing. Yes. Um, now, is it possible for people not to feel resentment? I believe it's possible. But I think that's, that's a that comes that comes with 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 time that comes with um i believe with with practice and with understanding but for those who feel the resentments and once you don't know exactly what to do with it this is where it, this is where it becomes incredibly difficult and here here's here's i'm going to say say this first because it's one of those resentment is one of those things that if you talk about people often feel defensive because not only did first of all the human, the human mind naturally knows that resentment is wrong. It just does. I mean, the way, the way we respond to ourselves when we resent or when we even speak about, speak about resentments, we're not, except if we're, you know, around people who are just as resentful as we are, because if we speak resentfully, they're like, we naturally know, I believe that we naturally, we naturally know that resentment is wrong. And so we often feel attacked when we're when the topic of resentment comes up because many of us feel it you'd be surprised how many human beings feel resentment towards one person or the other and you'd be surprised among those numbers how many people feel justified in their resentments and here's the interesting thing about feeling justified in your resentments it doesn't matter you're the one who is carrying about this boulder on your head this huge boulder on your head on your heart, you feel it. It's painful. You think about the person and you wince. You just it, it has you have a physical response to that to, to the person's face. If that's not a heart attack waiting to happen, I don't know what is. And so we feel these things. But we often we still feel very justified. And we want to, it's almost like we want to defend our resentments and keep hold on to our resentments. Mm. 
and the interesting the, the interesting thing is that you know um it's 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 hurting us it's it's killing us i, I just want i want people to know that first of all it's it it's not something you like we're not looking for resentment we're looking for is justice we're looking for is you know you've been wronged hopefully some people haven't really been wronged you're just resentful people and for those guys you gotta yeah. spit it out because you're you're not you're not helping anybody you're certainly not helping yourself you know you think it's you know, they think it's super you know um super cool to be resentful you know like you know the the the, the tough is tough um tough mama you know but i'm going to say that when if, if a person is feeling resentful about anything it's not to minimize the pain it's not to minimize the thing that you've gone through it's not to minimize what the person did but it's important that you know that resentment is a very a very dangerous thing for your own self it's a very and, and for those who understand that you know if you understand how the how if you have a certain understanding of how, how the everybody has a different understanding of how how but how they believe the soul works because it's since it's not something we can how you say um measure and 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 and, and confirm by experiments we all have to have say okay okay if I do believe that I'm a, I'm a shaping being, the, whether my mind, however you want to put it, my mind or your soul, how it works, we all have our theories to it. At least not all, some of us do. But we, we find that there are, certain, there are certain emotions that we feel that bring us down and crush us, while others encourage us and lighten us up. I like the idea of the gift of Jove, to be a totally jovial person, not a trivial person, jovial, person who is constantly enjoying the small things of life and is incredibly happy whose natural response to difficulties is jokes and enjoyments it doesn't there's no need to carry you know carry a chip on your shoulder if you understand how the soul works you would know that there's a certain there's a certain progression from we mentioned it earlier from resentment to hatred that begins to creep into the mind and here's the thing it doesn't stop with the person the target it doesn't stop with the intended target Resentment is a nuclear bomb. It doesn't care about who you're trying, the one person you're trying to take care of. No, it's going to kill that person for sure, but it's also going to kill you and everybody else around you. There, there is no way in hell that your resentment is not going to carry on to your kids. It's not possible. Let me tell you that right now. It's not going to carry on to your spouse, your husband or your wife. It's not possible. Your coworkers, your neighbors. It's not possible. Your parents. It's not possible. It's just not possible. Because it's it's like um, we we often think that there are only you know there are only physical you know um, viruses, but if in, in, if resentment kind of operates like that, you know when you look at Hayao Miyazaki's um, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, there is this thing there is this virus in the air that kind of turns these creatures into um, actually it's not just Nausicaa even in, you have the same thing in. Um, um, Princess Mononoke, but I don't think in that case, it's not a virus. It was just, um, it was some spiritual elements of what was going on at the time. But there's this there's this depiction of these black oozing goosings, like Venom, Venom from, from Marvel. Everybody knows Venom. Yeah, Venom. yeah, Spider-Man. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's Venom. You, it's so small when you see it, but when you touch it, you know, it takes over in such a big way. My point is simply that it doesn't end with the person you're dealing with. It ends with your parents. It ends with your um, um, your kids and answer the people you care about and love and you end up hurting 
hurting them and you end up hating them just as much, especially if they in any way, shape or form resemble the initial um, target of your, resent your resentment. So it's like, you know, the kid who, um, the example of the kid who says something accident, not even accident, he just says a very natural, normal thing that anybody or any other kid would say. And it reminds you of your father who did something horrible to you. And your first response to that is to hit your kid. For what? What did he say? He didn't say anything wrong. He just reminded you of someone horrible. Yeah, that happens a lot. You see somebody you see somebody and they remind you of someone from your past and now you instinctively now you, you instinctively yeah. hate them as well. Yep, 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 yep. No, you're you're yep. one you're a hundred percent right. Um so I I a hundred percent agree with you that I definitely feel guilty over resent resent uh, resentment. I, I agree with you that like it and you're right, resentment and the soul just do not go hand in hand with one another. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree that uh, when you do feel resentful, you feel guilty. Now I'm wondering what, what exactly do we do with that resentment though? So that this is like, this is my thing. Cause I, I see it as if it's a fire and there, there's gotta be some type of extinguisher that we can use to get rid of it. And yeah. it is the extinguisher immense prayer or just immense like like overcoming it mentally or internally or is there like a confrontation of sorts that needs to happen in order to overcome that resentment because that's that's where i get confused uh, okay i think there's i mean there's i think there are different ways to go about it the first thing is there are people who, who just need to go talk to that person and tell them the truth say so listen and here's the thing don't go blaming saying this is what you did to me this is how i feel this is what this is my day injustice you've done to me bruv calm the hell down the world doesn't revolve around you you're a small small being in a very very big universe and it only takes i don't know slipping on a banana peel to crack your neck on a on, on a porcelain bowl and you drown yourself i mean you think we're, we we live incredibly <laughs> obscurely and we die incredibly pathetically there is nobody on earth who will die and it's not going to be a pathetic you know you know it's pathetic you know, you, know? you know what's funny is that like how fragile you know how fragile we are as humans uh used to scare me quite quite a great deal but then it you should. start but then you start taking comfort in the absurdity of all of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine it's like Can it's like imagine? how how important am i if a banana peel could do me in right like don't take yourself yeah. too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Not just that even. A splinter could do you well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a splinter could do you. <laughs> you get cut in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're dead. Uh, you know, you know what's funny? I thought I had a splinter a few days ago. And it's just it's just crazy. It's like this little tiny piece of wood in my finger that could do it's me in. It's crazy. Yeah. Very I love it so much. I mean, we think we're so wonderful human beings. <laughs> <laughs> we think with, I just, it's a, you know, don't get me wrong. I think that human beings, you know, it's one of those things that human beings are pretty cool. And I think we, we accomplish quite a bit, but we're so full of ourselves sometimes that it's just too much to know, to know that we are, we, we do pretty well. It's fine. But to think ourselves more highly than we ought to think is not fine. You know, and people who have, who often feel resentment, think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. Because and that's why and that's why we often feel resentment. You, you know you know why kids don't feel resentment? Some kids because, maybe. <laughs> well, 
well, I mean, that, that's the thing is that it start the resentment starts at a certain it starts at a certain age, but before that age, there's this innocence, there's this presumed innocence where the kid understands their kids. Okay, there is there is something I want to tackle with what you said though. You okay. said that resentment is as a result of us taking ourselves too seriously, and I, I think you're right in saying that. Paradoxically, however if you don't take yourself seriously enough, then you develop extremely low self-esteem and you become a, a carpet for people to walk on. And we all know these people. We, we know these people are like, I'm, I'm sorry, did I get the wrong coffee? Or I apologize, I, I won't do that again. Are you, you know, like, if you ever worked in an office, there's always this one gal who will be like, I, I'm so sorry, did I do something to upset you? You know, like, like, and, there, there is something that's also highly toxic about that behavior as well, because that that girl in the office who's like, D -d -d I'm sorry, did I did I upset you? I apologize. I'll I'll stay late. I'll fix that mistake or whatever. There's something in that as well, though, that I find to also be highly toxic and, and damaging to the soul, because that person doesn't have any worth in their in, in who they are or any worth that someone loves them or or, or that th their their life is of any consequence and i think that can also be very dangerous and i, I think it can lead someone to to develop a lot of self-loathing tendencies well here's the thing um the first the first thing is no that that person is not um, is not a good example of not taking oneself too seriously that actually is a great example of taking oneself way too seriously because here's human beings we manifest our our conceits are expressed in very different ways for those and it depends often depends on our personalities our nurture our, our nature and our nurture right so it's you know the person who is, is very aggressive will express their self-importance in a very aggressive way it's just simple. And those, those ones are very easy to spot because, you know, hey, who do you think you are? He's like, no, no. And he's, he's, he's just being, a, being an, an a-hole and disturbing everybody's life. While the person who is very passive and thinks himself highly important will do the same thing in a very passive way. So, you know, the whole idea that she's apologizing or moving, you know, meandering through the office very carefully and so forth um, and apologizing for things that hasn't really happened is like an example that she thinks herself important. It's like she thinks that her presence, she's so aware of her presence and thinks her presence is not how you say, um, not a gift, but an inconvenience. But it's the same self-focus. It's the same focus on the self that is always calling attention to the self from others. So you're talking with the buddies and you hear, I'm sorry, behind you, like, I don't know the hell. I don't know the. Hell. I don't know you were there. Why are you apologizing? It's the same. It's the, it comes from the exact same place. It's just expressed in different ways. Now, a person who doesn't take themselves too seriously is not a coward, and is certainly not a bully. It's simply a person who understands their place in the cosmic in the cosmic grant in, 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 in you know um, in this cosmic dance. They are they are people who are convinced, and I mean convinced that a banana peel could in fact do them in. And by that they're humbled. It's not, a, it's not about, it's about knowing that one, that, that one is not as great as one would like to believe he is. We're not. We live about what, 70, 50, 60, 70, maybe 90 years. 
and then it's not like we live and you know live and, and, and retain our strength but our strength begins to diminish before we are 80 years old some of us can't even use the restroom without the help of others okay mm-hmm. i i this is a this is a really good um boundary line and i i think i think i, I love the friction we're hitting upon here mm-hmm. so one could also think though that like this society we live in does an excellent job of making the individual feel insignificant. You go to work, you have a boss, you have your nine to five, all your buddies, you go, you go to the bowling alley with your buddies. Yeah, yeah man, I'm just a cog in the wheel, man. <laughs> you know, I just work for the man, right? Like, this society does a kick-ass job of making us all feel subpar, mediocre. I can't achieve yeah. anything, right? It does a fantastic job of that, right? And some of that might be healthy. We don't want everyone walking around thinking they're demigods. You know, I think that would be really dangerous. <laughs> I, I totally get that. However, there does come a point though where the society pulverizes you so much. Like it, it pulverizes you so much that you can't even begin to achieve anything that you might believe in, whether it's writing a novel, whether it's an artistic masterpiece. And, and, and I think that, that that also, like I do think that, God out there, right? Like he doesn't want us to have overblown ego, you know, these huge egos and thinking we're superior to that of other human beings. But I think he does want us to have a spark of the divine. He wants us to have like a spark of the divine of like, hey man, go ahead and paint. There's something special about the way you paint or hey, there's something really special about the way you play that flute. Keep at it. You know, there, there needs to be both, right? Because you can't just be a pulverized human being who's a cog in the machine and just, you know, like has three Budweiser's with his friends at the bowling alley every night thinking he's the most insignificant ant on the face of the earth and that his his removal from the earth would be of zero consequence or of zero importance. I, I think, I think, I, man, it's really tough, man, because I think both extremes are highly dangerous. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, you're right that the world does belittle us. It does belittle you and it does pander <laughs> to you while doing so, which is very insulting. It's like a, it's like a, um, it patronizes us. It's like the slave who kind of knows he's a slave, yeah. I don't really have a choice. Or, or when your boss says we're all a family here, right? We're all a family. Oh, bollocks. Don't get me started on that. Yeah, right, right. It's right, like, right. so I watched this commercial. I was <laughs> I watched this commercial in, in a very large company. You know, at this certain company, we're all a family. We treat you like we would treat our own moms, our own dads. Not verbatim, but basically the same idea. And I kept thinking to myself, no, you're not. Don't lie. But here's the thing. It works. It works. This world is incredibly insulting, but it works. It works, mate. People believe it. They say, you know what? I'm going to go work for this company because I think the world is just great. It's just they're not really about the money. There's no such thing as a company that's not about the money. Let me just let you know this. But the point is that the world, there's a difference between putting one in his place and belittling one. It's very different. Very different. To put one in his place is often looked at as a bad thing. We think, oh, it's just he's he put him in his I put him in his place. Well, to put one in his place could also mean making one king, because that's where he belongs. To put one in his place may also mean making one a partner, because that's where he belongs. Putting one in his place is showing one where he where he where he is, reminding one where he is and who he um, where he is in life. 
Okay. It's like the okay. adults, it's like the parents, it's like the parents who beats the living daylights and abuses the child. That's, that's, that is the, how you say, um, the belittling, always constantly reminding them that they're insignificant and nothing. While the other parents are saying, listen, man, when, when, mom, when mom and dad are speaking to, to adults, you don't come in here barging, screaming out like you own the place. You don't own the place. You're a kid. Calm down. If you need me, you come and you say, excuse me, dad, and I'll come to you. That is not belittling in any way. So that let me putting the kid in this place going. Okay, yeah. I, I want to actually return to an analogy that we used a long time ago. I think it was mm -hmm. like maybe like seven or eight podcast episodes again, but I think it's actually very uh, relevant towards this topic. When you say people being put into their place, and that could be being a peasant or being a king, let's go back to our workplace analogy here, right? And we have, let's say, the boss's son. And the boss's son says, I'm in my rightful place. I am, I am now taking over as CEO of this company, right? But he doesn't have that, that character. He doesn't have like those kingly qualities about him, right? Meanwhile, there's a meager, lowly office assistant. And if that meager, lowly office assistant were to become CEO, the company would absolutely flourish. Is it wrong at all for the uh, the meagly, you know, the meager office assistant to dream of of one day becoming a CEO or think there's a little bit more to me than than just you know making photocopies and and just getting people Starbucks every day, like right, like because the positions that we inherit on this earth are very yes. random and they're extremely arbitrary and and in in you know uh, you know you're gonna hate me for using this word, but. Mm. let's say unfair. Okay. So it's just sometimes mm. some of the positions that, you know, not always, but some of the positions we do occupy in this world, were just unfairly distributed. There might be more, someone of a lowly position might have more merit than someone that's mm. occupying a kingly position. So what's the right answer? Does, does the king just keep believing he deserves to be king and the, the office assistant just continues to believe that they deserve to be an office assistant and for for all eternity they just deserve to get it's kind of like the hindu caste system you know in hinduism they believe in reincarnation and if you come back as an untouchable that's what you're going to be for the rest of your life end of story like you know, don't even think about becoming a brahmin or becoming a high priest or becoming a learned scholar like once you're born an untouchable it's done you're finished so if that's the case, I mean, should should we all just kind of resign ourselves to whatever station or position we are given in life? Because I have to say, in, in many respects, it is an arbitrary distribution. Well, for me, it's simply yes and no. I think that people need to learn where they are and accept it because that's where you are. It's just that simple. Whether you like it or not is a very different story, but it is where you are. There's a difference between acceptance in a sense of an acknowledgement, an acceptance in the sense of it is my, how you say, my unchangeable lot in life. So the acknowledgement of where you are is important because it's where you are. There's no pretense about it. Now, if you want to change where you are, you have the capacity to do so, please do. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. If a man, if a man is, you know, finds himself a clerk in a company and he doesn't want to be a clerk anymore, and he says, you know, I need to make, I want to make more money. And he can do that if he can, if there's an exam he can take, if there's someone he can talk to, something he can do, and he wants to change his lot. Of course he should change his lot. But the accepting of one's lot, the accepting of the initial place, this is where I am, this is who I am. This is where I am. 
this is as far as I've climbed. It's but a very important thing. So one thing that I've discovered, though, yeah. is that I think that in that process of changing your lot in life, you mm. have to take less shit from people. Okay, so let's just say that you're a lowly office, <laughs> like, like, just think about that for a moment, because let's say you're a lowly office assistant that everyone takes advantage of. If you ever expect to get ahead in that company or whatever, eventually you're going to have to pull, you know, when someone disrespects you, you're going to have to say, hey, um, Fred, when you talk to me, could you not address me that way? Thank you. Like, you have to say something, because if you never say anything, if you never assert yourself, no one is ever going to come down from the heavens and say, oh, Saint, you know, Saint Aaron has been doing such a quiet job, quietly making those photocopies out of sight. Let's give him a promotion. OK, like you have to take less shit in order to get ahead in this world. Right. And and I, I so so like, again, we're, we're kind of we're, we're still at the you know, we're, we're, I feel like I feel like I feel like this is an endless cycle, man. <laughs> But I don't, I don't understand what the cycle is about because, for example, I mean, I don't think, uh, and ha help me understand when, um, yeah, um, when you can is, okay, what, what is, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the disagreements and what is the, um, yeah, so what, what's, what's the statements or the, uh, the idea that, um, how you say, uh, I don't seem, I don't seem to be, to be, to be, to be catching it. What's what, what where, where, where are we in conflict? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So the kings of our world, right? Let's yeah. say our kings, our CEOs. I think that they are highly resentful people who actually keep tabs. You know, we all have these stories of like the boss who will, you know, send out an email and copy these people and not copy those people. And then you have these bosses who keep tabs like, oh, well, this person was at the holiday party, but that person was not at the holiday party, right? And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a certain level of aggressiveness, resentment, mm -hmm. and some other dark forces, okay? Let's just call this dark forces that mm -hmm. allow that king to become a king, right? Because you can't be you can't be a, a weak king. You can't be a soft king. If you're a soft king, it, it's only a matter of time before someone, you know, chops off your head and they're done with you, right? Like, like soft kings just don't survive in our in our reality. That's just the way yeah. that it is. So, in order to kind of get ahead and to to obtain like more power or something, you have to start being like, well, I did this for you. Why don't you do that for me? Like the, the people, the people who do rise in our world, like in politics, for example, mm. are really, really, really good at calling in favors and being like, "Hey, uh, you know how I helped you sponsor that bill uh, last month? Well, now I need your, I need you to return that favor, right?" Like, and the, this is how people climb in politics. It's ugly, mm -hmm. it's messy, and it's dark. I'm confused that like some that that on one hand being resentful, keeping tabs of people, keeping tabs, who was loyal, who was disloyal, it kind of helps you progress up the hierarchy of life. But then on the other hand, it makes you a shittier person. That's, that's exactly where I'm confused. I see what you're saying. No, that's, I mean, that's not confusing in any, in any way whatsoever. I think, I think that makes sense. <clears throat> so we find that in this world, I, so is that, if that's the case, I don't think we're in conflict. I think, I think I agree with you. So the we're never is, in conflict, by the way. <laughs> like me and you are, whether we agree or disagree, we are never in conflict. I'm just. Oh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's my brother from another mother. Okay, so <laughs> I think it's you know it's true. The world the world does 
reward people with very disagreeable dispositions and people who are unkind and people who are very resentful and people who are angry, people who are demanding, domineering. It does reward those things often, not all the time, not all the time, but often, that's most, like, most often the case. All right, the big question is, well, does that mean that all these things, I mean, I hope, I don't know, let's see, is, uh, does that mean that all these things are, um, you know, are they helpful? In some ways, yes, they are, absolutely. But are they helpful in the long run? No, they're not. Are they helpful in another way? I don't think they are, they are at all. I think it's kind of like steroids. You know, you take it, you play one good game, that's great. Uh, but then, you know, your muscles begin to atrophy over time. The point is simply that it's, it's, it's gonna be, it's the way the world all operates. It simply is. The world is a very dark and unkind place, an unforgiving place. And this is why philosophy is, at least I think, I think there's a dark philosophy, but I also think there's good philosophy, like anything else. And I think that the job of philosophy is to find out the truth. But often people are so unkind and resentful and so bitter that they pervert philosophy to find, you know, things that are best suited for them. And they don't really care about hurting other people and so forth and, 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 and the like. So I think that this is where philosophy at its best and religion at its best does come into points shine a certain kind of light in this dark and cruel world because we're we instinctively know that kindness is better than wickedness we know that we know that there's something inspiring when we hear about the person who is willing to take out the last bits of cash or the last bits of food and share it with somebody even though it makes no sense in the worldly sense to do that because it's food if you have more food for yourself you will survive but when it, comes, when it comes to philosophy, when it comes to religion, it becomes a matter of there's a certain truth that's been found out. It's like a, it's like a deeper truth. It's like a secret truth. That doesn't make much, how you say, survival sense or worldly sense. And says, listen, you have that piece of bread, break it into half, break it into two pieces, take one and give the friend the other one and eat it together. That is, so philosophy, religion, and the like are little lights in this world. And I don't want to get too metaphysical because I've, like I've mentioned before, there's certain things that if you say them out loud, you're simply a man running out in the streets naked. And of course, people aren't going to take you seriously because you've exposed yourself a bit too much. So I think that there is the place, and this is why this is the only cure for resentment. Should I say this, this is where the cure for resentment comes in. I think there's a place in philosophy, there's a place in religion, there's a place in lights and goodness. The world isn't, let me let you know this right now, the world isn't, isn't a very good place. It's a very dark place. People often betray one another. People yes. often lie to one another. People often hurt and kill one another, rape one another. People always want to use one another to get ahead of the other. People don't have the natural instinct of love and kindness. It's just not who we are. We're often, it's often our secondary or even our decadary response. I said not decadary, sorry, tertiary response, decadary, <laughs> tertiary response. Which is a whole nother, you know, I think discussing, you know, the nature of humans is a whole nother episode. But yes, we, we, you know, it's funny because with all our material comforts, I actually do feel we're in a very dark place. So you're absolutely correct. Yes. And so, you know, it's, and I wouldn't say this to everybody. I think if you're resentful and you like your resentments, by all means, keep it. I'm not here to take away your treasures. But if, you, if you're resentful and you don't like it, well, the first thing you can do might, 
is already that, to not like it. Not liking the resentments is a pretty big place. It's a pretty brilliant place to be, all right? What you're saying is, this thing is not good. I don't want it to be a part of me because I'm different. At least I want to be different, you know? So that's a pretty good place for the human heart to be. Even if you're still in the muck, at least you recognize this muck. If you're sitting in the shit and you say, well, this shit's pretty comfortable. Well, you're, 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 you're basically jacked, you know? But being able to recognize that you're sitting in shit, it, it, it's a good thing, all right? It means your senses are waking up. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and I'm, there's, a, there's a place in, in the fights in, 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 in you know, walking against resentments that, that's important, but I'm not going to mention because I think it's important for people to find it out on, on their own. But the, mention, the, the second thing is, is forgiving, at least attempting to forgive. Because just, you've been hurt, absolutely, you've been hurt. Um, for those who have been hurt, some of those, some of us is perceived hurt. But perceived hurts and hurts both hurts. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of, it's like real pain and psychosomatic pain. They, it, they both hurt. Yeah, like, they both so they both painful. hurt. One one is physically derived, the other is mentally derived. But they yeah. still seem real to the to they the recipient. Still feel yeah. real to the person. So I think it's good they forgive the person if it's a real if it's a real offense. Forgive the real offense. And here a friend or should I say? I remember it's a friend that I've heard and other people have heard mentioned this that forgiveness. Is something people think often think that forgiveness happens once. Why well, forgive you? And it's done. No, forgiveness happens quite often because when you feel the resentment against you as a person, you have to start, you have to stop and forgive them again, and forgive them again, and forgive them again until it cools down. It's like how you say sprinkling little drops of water. It depends on how long that resentment has been going on. It's like sprinkling little drops of water on a flaming, you know, flaming burning uh, uh, piece of. Uh, um, piece of metal it takes a little bit before it cools down so the thing is like um you got to forgive them and for for others if you need to talk to a person and here's like i was saying before but don't go talking to them as though you know as though you're freaking king of the world right you got to talk to them because you, you have to also have to understand they're human beings and you at some point have done some sometimes something horrible to someone else listen on in this world no one gets away scot-free Everybody gets damaged, Mike. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody says, and everybody hurts somebody. If you think you've never hurt somebody, you're lying to yourself. You've hurt somebody. It's just that simple. We can't, it's, it's not possible to avoid that. Can I, so you, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt. No um, worries, Mike. Because you're, you're really on, you're, the, the words coming out of your mouth are incredibly wise. And, you know, I, I, I feel sacrilegious even interrupting you, but I have to ask this question. Can there be forgiveness with boundaries? So I, I can forgive a person once, twice, three times, four times, five times. But then after a while, it's like, I know I'm 100% certain you are going to do this thing again. Therefore, I just need to set a boundary right now. So you're, you know, like, I, again, I, I, I incredible, the words that you're saying are incredibly remarkable. And I don't want to, I don't want to undermine that in any such way. But with that forgiveness, is it appropriate to set some level of boundary just so that you're protecting yourself from being transgressed again? Well, this is just, I would say, yes, I think it's perfectly fine, but I think it's the lesser good. I think it's like, um, I think it's the lesser good, but I think it's still good. But I think it's, I think we still ought to mature to the place where we can handle anyone. Because what, there's a certain misconception that when you speak to a person, like the person who says, listen, Mike, don't address me like that, please. 
I think it's standing up for yourself and being tough. And often people think you need to be angry or resentful to have to gather, to gather or muster the courage to do that. But there's something else. You can be courageous without being angry. Actually, the better soldiers are those who are there because they're simply courage, courageous. They're the kind of soldiers who, will, in, in, in a blink of an eye, kill the enemy, absolutely. No wasting time. They're going to protect their comrades. But they're also the kind of soldiers who, in a blink of an eye, start handing out chocolates to the enemy after the war is done. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Which is amazing. That's that's beyond human. Like it's, that's it's really needed, it's a right? it's really it's like uh, it's almost like those soldiers are becoming angels after the after the it's, battlefield. It's, it's interesting, and because the angry so the soldiers who are angry and hate the enemy would never do that. In fact, when they go home, they carry the hate with them into the you know into their home, and so hatred is not where courage comes from at all. Hatred sometimes behaves courageous, but it isn't the same thing. And so um, the resentment is not really what you need to be, how you say, a human being who stands, for, stands up for oneself or stand. I don't really like that sound, but I get the idea is the same. It's courage that you need, Mike. Mm. Resentment, never, resentment and anger don't play a part in that, you know? Okay. Um, very, very last thing that I want to ask you um, before we close out here. Um, I, I did have a, uh, a, a person on this podcast, Sam, a priest, and he did speak that in some Christian interpretations, there is something called like uh, righteous justice or, or, or like, um, like there are selective moments where, and they, they use the example of when Jesus goes into the, the temple and he like overthrows a table and says, hey, this is, this is a sacred place. You can't um, be trading or doing business here. There is some like in Christian doctrine that there, there, or at least in some denominations, there is an interpretation that there is like righteous anger. Um, if you're, there is a place for anger, if it's for a, a very, very, very righteous cause or, or something that maybe, maybe even transcends yourself, like, and, and again, and he used the example of Jesus in the temple. How do you feel about righteous anger? Is there, so, do you believe that is a concept and that it exists or is that something anger is off the table no matter, no matter what? Well, personally, and like, I, you know, this, this is very, I, I, I believe this is very subjective. Okay. Um, but it's, 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 you know, I do, but let me, you, I'll say it and you guys do, you know, what you, what you will with it. I think that all anger is bollocks, mate. And I think that's, um, because I don't think there's anything courage, anger can accomplish that courage can accomplish or some other virtue can't accomplish. And I think that's righteous anger. Human beings aren't capable of being righteously angry. We're too unrighteous. We just can't do it. We always think we're righteous but we can, we're not. If you've lived your life in this world, chances are you're not righteous, mate. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think that you know, human beings have the capacity to be righteously angry. I think Christ did because he was you know, the son of God. But and, and even, even the, the Bible that Christians often read talks about how the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. It just says that very clearly. And I don't know how you get around that. And there's something about, you know, we've talked before about, you know, people who think they're righteous and how the, danger, the dangers of, you know, of what they become like. Can you imagine a person who actually does believe they're righteous? And it's very strange. It's very strange that the very belief in one's own righteousness produces an, 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 an unprecedented amount of wickedness. 
Can you imagine a person who believes they're righteous or righteously angry, which means that, and who, the question now begins, who, who is the judge of whether it is in fact righteous anger? Is it them? Is it a greater power? How do we address, how do we, how do we interact with this greater power to find out, okay, was it true? People often say, well, the Bible is the greater power. And it's, if, it, if the anger matches up with the Bible, it's, it's, it's fine. Well, not, not necessarily. Not necessarily because just because you're angry at someone's sin or someone's unkindness doesn't mean that you're going, your anger is going to do, how you say, is going to produce good things about that thing. It's going to, it's going to address the situation correctly. You could be angry all you want and call it righteous anger, fine, but go home with your righteous anger. Don't do anything because by the time you open your mouth or use your hands, you're only going to say horrible, unkind things or do horrible things to another person. You know, so we we often we're often secretly the 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 judges of our own righteous anger. We're the ones who determine when our righteous anger rises and is 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 freely is freely um, allowed to um, to express itself. And if that's if that's the case, we who are unrighteous and we think that our anger is righteous, my good man, I think we're in a very complex and dark place. You know. So, so that's why so, that's, that's why I stay. I try to stay away from anger all all together, let alone righteous anger. Okay. I, I so what you're saying is that anger is just plain anger because we don't have the capacity to judge what is righteous. We just don't, right? That, that's 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 at a higher that's at a upper level floor, right? Yeah. Only only the people on the upper level floor can actually determine what is righteous and and what is not. So anger is just anger, right? And we may think we're righteous, but it's just plain old anger. I think that's a really it's a fantastic answer. Last, I, I know I said that was the last thing, but I still have one more thing. Okay, I'm sorry to no worries. No worries, sorry please. to hold your sleeve here. What, is there such is there such a thing? Forget about righteous anger. What about Right, like what I what I said originally, righteous justice, where someone is disrespecting you, and you don't say it with any anger in your voice, but you say, "Hey, my friend, would you mind not talking to me that way?" Thank you. Like, like again, you have no when you say it, and you say it in just that tone. There's no anger. There's no condescension in, in your tone of voice. You're just defending yourself, just defending yourself in a non-hostile, non-aggressive way. Is that okay? Well, it, 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 it is, but here's the thing. It's, very, it's, it's, it's a little bit interesting. When a person isn't angry and a person tries to defend themselves or you, you know, in, a, in a just very natural way, it often doesn't come up as self-defense. Here's the thing about a person who doesn't have any anger in them whatsoever. They rarely defend themselves. They're not interested in defending themselves. They're interested in something else. They want to find out why you're behaving the way you're behaving. So a friend of mine who is a very interesting human being, who I, I doesn't get angry. This guy does not get angry. Someone was speaking to him very unkindly recently, and it was during the whole COVID situation. And I think, I do believe it was about wearing a mask. and not wearing, he wasn't wearing a mask, and they were asking him, and aggressively attacking him about not wearing a mask, right? And he said, it's all fine and dandy. I understand your concern, but... Is this how your parents taught you to address strangers? Is this how you is this how your parents taught you to address strangers? Brilliant question. Because it's not about whether you're right or wrong. And it's certainly not about defending myself. It says you're right. But is this how your parents taught you to address strangers? 
It seems a bit rude. You know what I mean? Like he didn't he didn't say the rude part, but it seemed the question was brilliant because it brought it back to you know you're meeting a human being and you're forgetting the foundation of what it means to be human and addressing a human being about something. Yes, we know you're passionate about, but what 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 did you throw away? What did you throw away so quickly in order to please him? But hold on, just just to play a little devil's advocate here, though. One could also argue that when someone like refuses to wear a mask, there's also a bit of righteousness in that in itself. Whereas if someone tells me to wear the mask and I just say, I will do as you wish. Okie dokie. Yes, sir. You know, like, so there, there is, there is a, an argument to be made that like, even that is a, is a form of like resistance in a way. It's some, it's some form of like righteousness in some way. Whereas the person who doesn't, the, the person who doesn't think that they are an authority whatsoever, they will just be like, the Walmart man tells me to put on a mask. I will do as Walmart, Walmart man tells me and I will put on the mask. And then when I leave the Walmart, I will take the mask off. Yes, but here's the thing, though. First of all, um, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and defend. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a much larger issue. I get but, it. <laughs> no, so this, this, the, this, 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 co- this store that they were in didn't require masks. Oh, okay. It was every individual to his own discretion. Got it. Okay. Um, and so it was, a, it was a it was a person who had taken a personal offense about this specific person um, in this situation, mm. and. And this guy that I, and this guy that I'm referring to, he's not a very combative person in the sense where well, he, he actually he is, but not in not an aggressive form. He's just <laughs> he's how you say, um, just a very thoughtful human being, in the sense of not thoughtful in the sense of hey he gives, um, he brings gifts to us. No, no, he's just thoughtful. He thinks about his actions. So if he let's just say he walked into that store not wearing a mask, he's the only person that would say knows exactly why he did that mm-hmm. you know what i'm trying to say but the idea of the idea that anger and that we feel so indignant even about a person wearing a mask or a person not wearing a mask that we feel so indignant about it there is no do you know that there is nobody in this world who or should i say there's very few people in this world who anger whose anger they don't deem in itself righteous that's why i mean that's why you can rarely talk a person out of being angry mm-hmm. is like and the first thing they say is didn't you hear what they said don't you know what they did say like, i know what they did man i know what they said but you know calm down um so it's it's um <laughs> so i think it's fine for people to address them to to defend themselves i think it's fine and if you can do it without anger all 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 the more rights to you but I think that when a person has really gone, when a person doesn't care about being angry anymore, they don't care about defending themselves. I see. It's, all saying, of, yeah. it's, it's, it's really about a totally different situation happening. Yes. Absolutely. I, I think that's just a, like the philosopher often doesn't want to be king. <laughs> I, I think I think that's a really good place to end. I think for me, for, for me, at least personally. I will try and defend myself without anger. Like I'm, I'm that's that's the lower level, right? I, I'll, I'm gonna just you know move to like that level of defending myself without anger, and then maybe maybe one day in the distant future I'll be at a point where I like, huh? I don't even seek to defend myself anymore. But I doubt I'll ever get there. Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show. This has helped me uh, quite a bit. Thank you. Oh my brother, thank you for having me. This concludes the 143rd episode of the Truth Island Podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.